Good morning from Ranger Camp, where all the Ranger board warriors are working hard to pass this board exam. Today, board prep is in New Jersey, where a fine group has convened to simulate battle with the ABA. We train the best to be the best, and we truly do have the best course. Big Blue is the only source with 30 years of keyword, old question, remembered question, mocha minute, and ABA gap input, and is the best central source for this exam. Today, let's cover another gap a topic missed by more than 50%, often repeated across one or more board battlefield, challenging and deserving of study in this audio file question answer explanation format we have embarked upon. As usual, keyword correlation from the ABA content domain can be found in the text, in this case in the obesity section, with repetition in the succinylcholine section of the drugs chapter. Let's turn now to a very plausible question then, based upon the statement the board made, defining the knowledge gap. It's a single best. Which of the following best describes butylcholinesterase and succinylcholine in morbidly obese patients? Is it A, relative sensitivity to succinylcholine, partly secondary to increased pseudocholinesterase activity? B, relative sensitivity to succinylcholine, partly secondary to decreased pseudocholinesterase activity. C. Relative resistance to succinylcholine, partly secondary to increased butylcholinesterase activity. Is it D. Relative resistance to succinylcholine, partly secondary to decreased butyl cholinesterase activity? Or is it E? None of the above. Again, which of the following best describes butyl cholinesterase and succinylcholine in morbidly obese patients? Is it A, relative sensitivity to succinylcholine, partly secondary to increased pseudocholinesterase activity? B, relative sensitivity to succinylcholine, partly secondary to decreased pseudocholinesterase activity? C, relative resistance to succinylcholine, partly secondary to increased butylcholinesterase activity. D, relative resistance to succinylcholine, partly secondary to decreased butylcholinesterase activity. Or E, none of the above. Let's saddle up, lock and load, and attack the gap. According to the board, more than 50% did not know that an increase in butyl cholinesterase activity in morbidly obese patients contributes to their relative resistance to succinylcholine. 50% did not know that an increase in butyl cholinesterase activity in morbidly obese patients contributes to their relative resistance to succinylcholine. Let's discuss. First of all, recall that the enzyme pseudocholinesterase is also known as plasma cholinesterase as well as butyl cholinesterase. Second, know that a board examiner could test other related topics related to the pharmacokinetics of neuromuscular relaxants in obesity. However, while these will be covered in the text, this audio discussion will pertain to the gap specifically. This is just, by the way, in the interest of time. Study this related material in the text version because a board examiner will certainly review and likely write questions since he or she will be in the neighborhood anyway. Anyway, let's cut to the chase on this particular specific gap from Miller. Quote, 
The pharmacokinetics of succinylcholine are unique because the level of pseudocholinesterase and the volume of distribution is increased. The volume of distribution is increased. Please know, clinically severe obese patients have larger absolute succinylcholine dose requirements than normal weight patients. Therefore, to achieve profound neuromuscular blockade and facilitate innovation, administration of succinylcholine should be based on total body weight rather than lean body weight. Quote unquote. Notice the board speaks of increased activity and Miller speaks of an increased level. I suppose this is a distinction without a real difference. Pseudocholinesterase, plasma cholinesterase, or butyl cholinesterase, all terms indicating the same thing, the same entity. They're euphemisms, if you will is present in obese patients at an increased level and or has an activity which is increased and creates a relative resistance to succinylcholine in obese patients. To the point of the gap then, board candidates need to know that, quote, because the level of plasma pseudocholinesterase and volume of distribution is increased, severely obese patients have larger absolute succinylcholine requirements than normal weight patients and should therefore be dosed based upon total body weight rather than lean body weight. The impact of obesity on dosing of injected drugs is difficult to predict. This is discussed again in much more detail in the text, but will be omitted from this audio version so we don't lose the forest for the trees. The pharmacokinetics of succinylcholine are unique because the level of plasma pseudocholinesterase and the volume of distribution is increased. Clinically severe obese patients have larger absolute succinylcholine dose requirements than normal weight patients. Therefore, to achieve profound neuromuscular blockade and facilitate innovation, administration of succinylcholine should be based upon total body weight rather than lean body weight. I'm repeating myself because this is a closed book examination and you can tell that the semantics can get confusing and difficult and so it's very very important that you're crystal clear on what is being conveyed here. To the point of the gap, one can support the board's statement following analysis of the subject, namely that, quote, an increase in butyl cholinesterase activity in morbidly obese patients contributes to their relative resistance to succinylcholine. Again, for the third or fourth time, cement this into your synapses because it isn't easy. Increased butyl cholinesterase levels and or activity contribute to relative resistance to succinylcholine in obese patients. Again, we can validate this ABA knowledge gap. Obese patients are relatively resistant to succinylcholine because of increased activity of this second class of esterases, butylcholinesterase, plasmacholinesterase, or pseudocholinesterase, which are all the same thing. Of course, the first class of esterases is acetylcholinesterase, which is also known as true cholinesterase. And the third class of esterases is non specific plasma esterases. Obese patients are relatively resistant to sucks because of increased activity of this second class of esterases, namely pseudocholinesterase, plasma cholinesterase, and butyl cholinesterase which again are the same thing. Putting this all together then, the best answer is C. Today, 
Putting this all together then, the best answer is C. Which of the following best describes butyl cholinesterase and succinylcholine in morbidly obese patients? Choice C. A relative resistance to succinylcholine, partly secondary to increased butyl cholinesterase activity. Today I spoke to a fine, very bright person at the course who said, I'm not doing well and my scores are up and down. They're all over the place. I've only been through Big Blue one half time. I have trouble sitting down and working in an organized, systematic, and disciplined way. I told him he may pass on the basis of his work with commercial review questions, and he seems to be working with just about every set of questions he possibly can Worked with many people like this, by the way. I told him he might pass based on just raw native ability, but his scores are up and down, and that indicates that his knowledge is not systematic. It's not comprehensive. It, too, is up and down. And ultimately, in this toughest-in-the-world board exam, it's vulnerable to attacks because of the gaps which exist in it. I urged him to do what was key for me, vital for me, life-changing for me, and has been for so many others. Namely, I commanded Big Blue. I used questions for a few minutes a day to test and tweak what I knew, what I was learning, what I didn't know, to write in the margins of the Big Blue what I wanted to add, always tweaking my information database. In this way, my knowledge was always growing and becoming more focused and refined. It was systematic. It was comprehensive and increasingly so. Not to brag, but that was the goal. And that's what eventually was achieved. I've worked with literally scores of people who try to memorize enough questions and answers to get across the finish line, often falling short. One or two thousand memorized questions and answers is not a comprehensive knowledge base, as so many often eventually learn. It works for some people, some people who have very high abilities to retain such scattered, partial, fragmentary bits of information that they learn in the answers to questions. But many of us don't have that ability. Rather, if one focuses upon Big Blue, which is grounded firmly in keywords, old questions, remembered information, the ABA knowledge gaps, and the Mocha Minute questions and answers, which are the foundations for this exam, the focused foundations, one can and should then test this information through Big Blue, tweak it, and look forward to passing again this world's most difficult board exam, which is precisely what it is, with this strategy passing is precisely what you'll do. Why not? It worked for me when nothing else did. It worked for thousands of others. So why not you? First, command Big Blue. Then use questions to test and tweak what you are learning in this spirit and armed with this vital, sometimes life-altering advice. Hate to be too dramatic about it, but I wish someone had told me. Onward now to victory.